There's something really curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. But this is a special edition of TGP Nominal. Once again, no Mr. Burger. And the reason for that is this whole show is dedicated to one thing. But I won't tell you any more about it because it'd be self-explanatory when we get into the main body of the show. So I'll stop rabbiting on and... uh, Without further ado, here's the main part of the show. So joining me on the show is Alan Taylor Shearer. How are you doing, sir? Oh, very well. Always a pleasure to be here with you, sir. Well, the reason why I brought you on the show today is that we went to Star Wars Celebration Europe last year in in London at the the Excel Centre, and um, well, it was a first for us both, really. So we're we're kind of uh, like Star Wars Celebration virgins, as it were. Yes, I mean, I've never really been to a uh, one of these full-on Comic Cons before either. Um, I think I'm the wrong demographic or the wrong age group or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I've never been to one before, so it was a real experience um, visiting there. And it's the first time in the Excel Centre. Well, that bit of it. And um, what an experience, though! It really was. It really was great to to sort of be able to see all this stuff up close and personal and um, I think they were weren't they actually filming something there as well did I, did I recall seeing some cast members running around at one point um, yeah well there was a lot of different filming going on because you had the, the two main arenas where they were doing the, the panels and talks and things like that uh, and they were all being streamed live on StarWars.com and not only that you had Andy Gutierrez is doing her bit on the stage for the the Star Wars show uh, live Um, and they were bringing out cast members and uh, just everybody and anybody who's involved with Star Wars whether it be authors or um, video game developers or whatever Mm -hmm. um, everything and anything to do with Star Wars appeared on that show and that was being broadcast live as well so it was you know amazing to see these things happening. I mean, I've seen the Star Wars show on YouTube and things like that, but to actually see them doing stuff live on stage and then you get to see what happens once the camera's turned off. You get to see all the prep for yes. what's going on as well, which is quite exciting. And, and when you look behind you at, the, at that event, you've got these massive like walkers and things like that there. there was- That's right. There was a big TIE fighter there as well, wasn't there? I, I, I don't want to call them a model. I don't want to call them models, <laughs> but they were. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but we we did see some other kind of models there because there was one of a land speeder, wasn't there? A Tatooine land speeder. And uh, I, I do recall you had your photo taken, or I took your photo in the Hoth Wampa cave. That's right, yes, and uh, I also became an action figure, um, the Star Wars reporter. <laughs> In the action figure box. Yes, and I came with uh, with real gripping hands that could grip a microphone. <laughs> now, while we were there, and, and this goes right back to when we first got there on in the morning, um, the queue. Oh, the queue. Oh, oh yes, the queue. And the queuing. I don't know how long we've been in this queue now. It's been quite a while, hasn't it, Alan? Yes. Yes, we've been, we've been in this queue for quite a long time. And I've built up a relationship with a couple of gentlemen who I think are German. Um, but now we're avoiding eye contact. We, we became friends. We became friends. We shook hands. We exchanged a few words. And now... We don't want to talk to each other anymore. <laughs> once you've gone through two, que- once you've gone through two queuing balls, you then have to join a line to get checked. And, uh, this is just showing, showing the rest of the world what we excel at in the UK. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. And, uh, and that is queuing. If there was an Olympic event for queuing, we would win hands down. Oh, every time, every time. Gold, gold medalist. Gold medalist. So there you go. That is that is us. And. Uh, there's some weird-looking stormtroopers over there. Yeah. Stormtroopers uh, with beards. Yeah, and uh, flat caps with um, checkered patterns around the around the oh, room. Oh, checkerboard. Ah. So uh, I better turn this off now because we're getting close to having a security check. And and, uh, and they don't. Security people don't like cameras. No, they don't. So uh, we shall come back to you a bit later on. Let me get this right in my head. So there was a queue to join the moving queue, and then once you joined that moving queue, you moved through that queue and joined the other moving queue, and then once you got through the security people and they checked your bags and everything, then you could go in and then queue to see the individuals on the individual stands. So it was a day of queuing. Yeah. But we are British, and therefore we queue like the professional queuers that we are. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have a lot of time to take on the whole experience. I just wish we could have done the the whole three days and, and got to see some of the more of the panels and, and whatnot because some of them were absolutely brilliant and um, mm. when you've got people as hosts like Warwick Davis and he's hosting some of the events this year as well in, right. in Orlando right. it is great and the atmosphere is great It's there's no negativity there anything goes anybody can dress how they want <laughs> um, I mean we for example I remember seeing um, men dressed up as Ray yes pink Wookiee and um, there was lots of strange things going on, but that's Star Wars. That really is Star Wars. <laughs> you can be who you want to be. The thing I liked about it, just that there is all that 
actual um, art there. So it wasn't just models and it wasn't just being able to see Mark Hamill and you know, pay a ridiculous amount of money and have a photograph taken with him or something. Um, there were actual people there creating. Uh, there were creators there that were uh, able to you know, produce stuff on the spot as well as things that they'd made and brought with them. It was great to see all the, all the arts and, uh, and the, the stuff that these people have to go through to get their work uh, exhibited and then to get be able to sell their work. And I think it's something I've mentioned before. I just felt that, you know, that, that I know that uh, Disney and Lucasfilm and everything are very, very keen to protect their, their brand. But uh, it did seem that these artists in particular had to really jump through hoops to get anything, anything shown. That's very, very true, and uh, it um, it is cutthroat industry. But the actual quality that you saw at these events are just amazing. Well, so while we're on that subject, um, here are a few of the uh, interviews that we actually conducted with the artists at the celebration. I wanted to look at some of the art of Star Wars and some of the people that have taken it beyond the movies. I'm here at the stand with Karen Hallian. Karen, tell us about your art and what makes it different from just taking a movie scene and painting it or drawing it and making it your own. In my piece, I tried to focus on the women of Star Wars and how strong they are. And so um, I feel like women are becoming more and more represented in Star Wars, and that's that's a fantastic thing. So I kind of wanted to celebrate that. Um, and it's also got an Art Nouveau, Alphonse Mucha feel to it, which is generally um, a style that I really enjoy working in. I like really working with the line of that. So that was kind of what I was going for. Yeah, very definite lines. Very bold. I like lines. I like the the thinner lines and then the thicker on the outside. I definitely love to focus on that. So what's your inspiration? Because I I imagine this is not just the only thing you do. What what, what other work can we see of yours? Well, um, I did a series of... uh, Down there it's the... Well, not that you can see it, but um, Cinderella being whisked away in the TARDIS, and it became very, very popular. So I have a whole series of um, TARDIS and... uh, heroines being kind of taken away on adventures uh so if you ever that that's kind of been seen a lot my work's been seen on t-fury um i've done work for her universe uh with studio ghibli um and then this is my second star wars celebration which is pretty exciting now i've interrupted you drawing bb-8 there (laughs) (laughs) he's very fun to draw he's um actually a little difficult sometimes to get the proportions of the top head and the little ball. Once you get that, he's good, but he's a little tricky. So you're good at circles? Yeah, I'm good at circles. Well, you know, I fake it. How long have you been working? How long have you been doing this art? Um, I uh, graduated from art school in 97, and I was uh, trying to freelance for a couple years, and I failed miserably, and then I became an art teacher, uh, elementary school level, and I was a teacher for a long time, and about five or six years ago, I lost my job, and so I tried to freelance again, and this time I was a little bit more successful. So you spend your time going around celebrations and um, Comic-Cons and stuff like that? Yeah, I, um, I do maybe like eight to ten conventions a year, so I've done, I'm doing 
San Diego Comic-Con actually on Wednesday, so I fly back to Boston on Monday, and then I fly back out to California on Wednesday, so I'm going to be a little loopy by then, but New York Comic-Con, Denver, Emerald City, Chicago, um, Boston, yeah. What's it like traveling around the world with your aunt? It's, um, it's not something I ever expected that I was going to be doing, and I've kind of gotten used to traveling, but I have two small kids at home, so that's always a little rough. Um, right now, they're on a, such a different timeline than I'm on. It's very strange, but uh, it's, it's, it's very fun. You kind of build this convention family of these other artists that um, you get to see a couple times a year, and they all understand this, this odd kind of life that you're living, and it's really fun. In fact, last Star Wars Celebration... I met my boyfriend, who is sitting right there, he, and we've been dating ever since, so that was a nice perk of Comic-Cons. So would it be worth speaking to him about his art, because it seems very different? Yeah, you should definitely speak to him. He's incredibly talented. He, he puts me to shame, so... <laughs> I doubt, I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you very much, Karen. You're very welcome. I've shuffled along a little, and I'm now talking to Brandon Kenny, who is more than just the boyfriend of Karen Hallian. He's also an artist, um, but his style is very, very different to Karen's. Less lines, more painting, is that right? Am, am, I, am I right in, in describing it like that? Yeah, you're right. They're um, airbrushed acrylic, and um, I do use a lot of lines in some of my like pencil work. But um, Karen's stuff is markers and digital, and I work a lot more with, like, paints and airbrushes, oil paints, stuff like that. And I do a much more realistic style. Um, I dabble sometimes in cartoony stuff, but I'm much more comfortable doing portraits and, and realistic pictures. So uh, how many of these celebrations have you done there? This is my second one. Karen and I actually met last year at our first celebration, so it was pretty cool. So you've got, you've got the booth next to each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Travelling around, selling your art, you're going from country to country, not just from city to city. Well, this is my first time travelling abroad from, from the States. Um, last year's celebration was actually my first convention. And uh, I this, this past year I've tried to travel more and more in between, like in America, to different conventions. And then this was definitely... Uh, a, a new experience but we've had tons of fun it's just been incredible the people here are very very nice and, and welcoming and uh, it's weird because I felt like you know it was just like down the street almost after we got here I was, felt like it, I was home kind of so it was it was it was a lot it, it was a good experience and it's been a ton of fun now I when I was uh, just introducing the art section, um, I said that people were taking the Star Wars characters beyond the films and putting them into locations and situations that, that weren't part of the film. Is that something that you do? Yeah. Um, celebration, to me, it's always represented uh, a chance for artists to create something that doesn't necessarily exist in the Star Wars universe, but was implied so my last year's piece was Luke suiting up for the first time to get into an X-Wing and we never saw that on film but we knew it happened at some point uh, this year's piece is a little bit different it's based more upon a romantic era type painting uh, and it's it's meant to depict the relationship between Rey and the light side 
and Kylo Ren and the dark side and their relationship with each other almost. So it's it's nice to have that freedom to kind of challenge yourself and come up with a new idea and then LucasArts and, and Disney and Acme all support those ideas and it's 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 great. So is that something that you have to go you have to look for licensing before you produce your work? Well what happens is you have to be licensed prior to your submissions. So you have to have done license work beforehand and then you submit concept a concept or multiple concepts to the show within a deadline and if you're accepted you move on to the next round and you refine uh, your concept, so. so you're selling your main piece, which is Ray and Kylo Ren, but you're also producing other smaller pieces right here at the desk. Yes, yeah, we are. Um, we're given the opportunity to do sketches here at the show, uh, so I love that. Like I love to bring. Typically, I carry it. Like I use an airbrush in my work, and I can't bring that to the show with me. But I like to do these little tiny sketches because I can do them relatively quick, and they're they're popular amongst fans, and uh, it gives me something to do in between talking to everybody. And like you say, it's photorealistic a lot of it. Yeah, most of it's photorealistic. Uh, Sometimes to loosen up, I'll do cartoony watercolors. But, um, yeah, I like to do the realistic stuff. It's a challenge, and it's it's very, uh, it's it's vindicating when it it actually looks like the character that you're trying to draw. Now, when I was speaking to Karen, she's she's drawing um, BB-8. I see you have a more controversial character on the go. <laughs> yeah, well, now I have to tell you, uh, Karen and Crystal and I, uh, we challenged ourselves, well, we came up with a challenge this weekend to do a, um, a Jar Jar battle, and whoever, we all three are going to draw Jar Jar, and we're all going to put him on our desk at the same time, our table, and whoever sells the Jar Jar first is treated to dinner by the other two, so... It's just a fun challenge to do. So I'm in the middle of drawing Jar Jar. I'm trying to make him as cute as possible. Karen has done hers and is ready to go. And um, yeah, so that's why you caught me in the middle of Jar Jar. <laughs> so you, Crystal is another artist? Yeah, Crystal is at the very end here. Uh, Bam, she goes by Bambuda, Crystal Bam Fontan. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. We all kind of uh, met up here because we're all friends prior and, and we've been hanging around London together. So. so Whoever sells Jar Jar first <laughs> buys dinner. There's very, there's very strict rules. It has to be a set price. You can't uh, offer anything else with it. Like, you can't say you get free prints or anything. And uh, he can't be, like, mashed up with anything. Like, Karen can't put him with the TARDIS or anything like that. Like, she she does sometimes. <laughs> um, and we can't make him, like, sit. So it just has to be Jar Jar. But he's in mind. Mine's, mine's extra cute looking. <laughs> So your normal medium is is airbrush. It is airbrush. Um, but what medium are you working in today? Today it's just colored pencils on uh, like a, a gray um, cardstock. So the gray creates the midtone, and then I go back and do highlights and the, the dark colors. It's it's the fastest way I can get relatively realistic looking pictures. And um, like I said, they're popular, and I enjoy doing them. Now, a question I asked Karen was the experience of moving not just from city to city but country to country because of your art. How does that feel? Uh, it was stressful, very, very stressful, especially because my print's a little bit larger than everyone else's, and I couldn't roll it up. Uh, I had to transport 250 prints across the ocean, so uh, I had to be very careful about the way I packed it and how much it weighed and whether or not it was going to get damaged, which was stressful, but um, it worked out well. Uh, 
we were able to roll it into a box and pad it. Um, but other than that, like it's it's like a, any other convention. It's just a, there's a time difference and there's a language difference, like a dialect difference. But everything else is very similar to a show in America. So that was about it. Thank you very much, uh, Brandon Kenny. And at uh, brandonkenny.com. Yeah, that's it. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram too if you just search for Brandon Kenny. Thank you very much. Right, so here I am at Star Wars Celebration Europe 2016, and I'm here with an artist called Malcolm Tween. Now, Malcolm, you were commissioned by Royal Mail to uh, create some stamps for them, weren't you? Absolutely, yes. How did you get chosen? What was the process with that? Um, well, there were actually quite a few design companies and other um, artists in the mix, um, but they chose me because of some of the other Star Wars work I'd done. They'd seen that I liked, um, and various options got presented to Disney, and that was the one they went with. So how long did it take you to come up with the designs? Well, there's actually another company um, who was working the design process. They'd done a lot of the kind of legwork up front, and they'd done literally hundreds of different design combinations of the characters and the little inset characters. Um, so they'd done a lot of that work, and Royal Mail had already kind of whittled down the choices at the end of what the ones they wanted to go with. And then my job was to kind of make them look really nice. And the fact is, what you've done, you've, you've almost made them look photo perfect. They are well, really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, they wanted to look kind of still illustrative, um, you know, in that great tradition of Lucasfilm have of, you know, having illustrated type artwork instead of, you know, too photographic. Um, so it's trying to get that right balance, keep everything consistent across the whole set and that kind of thing. So how long did it actually take you to uh, give them, a, you know, the body? Of yeah, it, was, it took over a year. The, the whole project took over a year. Um, there was lots of changes and revisions and just the approvals process can take quite a while when you know, you've got lots of people involved. So, um, yeah, quite a long process. Also, we had to wait for the um, new characters from episode seven. Um, so it took a little while for all that stuff to filter through as well. And what did that, and what did that actually feel like when you actually saw the, the finished design with the, the Queen's head on the... It was fantastic. And I don't know if it's true or not, but um, apparently the Queen actually had to approve the stamps before they went out and were signed off. I've heard this. So I, I don't know if it's true. I hope it is. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah, in theory, that's how it was. And um, so I gather people actually come to you with their stamp sets. I have signed a lot of stamps. <laughs> a lot of stamps. I wish I'd have known because I'd have brought mine with me. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, if you're in tomorrow, bring them down and I'll sign them for you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, thanks for talking with us, Mel. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Thanks very much. I've moved on down the art display now with Kayla Woodside. Now, Kayla, I notice a lot of your art is taking, or, or it seems to me, to be taking the Star Wars characters out of the Star Wars universe and putting them into situations that we wouldn't normally see them. Is that right? Um, yeah, I like to, to depict the characters, um, not necessarily how you see them exactly in the movie, but maybe have a story behind it or a feeling behind it that you get from the movie, but trying to evoke that in the artwork, I guess. So what's your background? Um, I'm self-taught. I just have uh, always really enjoyed drawing and painting and Finally, I, I figured out that you could do it as a career, so I just did it 12 hours every day until I, I got I got better, and um, I've just always been inspired by books and movies, so I really wanted to enter the, the fantasy sci-fi zone. And 
Well, you've certainly cracked it because some of the other artists I've been speaking to, you know, they went to art college and uh, they've made it their business, they've been freelancing and all that kind of stuff. Now, you're self-taught. The standard is, to me anyway, and I'm not trying to just, you know, make you feel better, but the standard to me is incredible compared to somebody who's been through art college. Well, well, thank you. I just, um, I always tell people, you know, it's just practice, and I really mean that. Um, I really stand by the, the 10,000 hours, whether you put it in at school or whether you put it in on your own time. It's just all about putting the time in, um, looking into some, even if you're self-taught, looking into other artists you, that inspire you, um, people like Andrew Loomis, people like that who can teach you, and just learn on your own. So what situations inspire you, and, and what makes you put those characters into those situations? I'm incredibly inspired by uh, books. I love to listen to audiobooks while I paint, and usually when I'm listening, there'll be a scene or something happens, and I'm just really inspired to want to put that down on paper. So usually it's books. <laughs> so what characters can we see around us just for the audience that's listening? Um, uh, well... I love The Dark Tower by Stephen King. I love everything by Stephen King. So I have a, a few Dark Tower-inspired pieces. Um, I grew up with Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. So done it like my interpretation of like a older R Harry Potter. Um, I don't know, just like fantasy series, Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, that sort of thing. Yeah. Star Wars, obviously. <laughs> Fantastic, and I love this uh, done waiting. What, what's what's done waiting? Um, well, I was really inspired by Ray in The Force Awakens, um, and just her story of she's she's waiting, and then you know something happens, and she's she's out, she's finally out there, and she's she's I don't know fulfilling her destiny, if you want to call it that. But um, I just really wanted to do a piece showing like a strong the strong female that Ray is, and I don't know that she's just. I don't know. She's fulfilling her destiny, and she's out there. And who are the other characters that are around Ray in Dun Waiting? Um, we have uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca and Finn, and of course the Millennium Falcon and BB-8. Gotta gotta have BB-8. <laughs> BB-8 seems very popular. Um, some of the artists are having a Jar Jar draw off. <laughs> Is this something you've been involved in? I have not been involved in it, but. Um, I think like a Mandalorian Jar Jar would be uh, pretty cool. So <laughs> I would just be afraid of being attacked, I guess, if I drew that. So. <laughs> well, the three artists I was just speaking to, they, they each draw Jar Jar, and the first one to sells to sell their Jar Jar buys dinner. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kayla. Um, if we want to see more of your art, can we see it online? Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kayla Woodside and woodsideillustrations.com. Thank you very much, Kayla. I've thought about it a lot. Why does Britain create so many great filmmakers and actors? What is it about Britain that seems to generate these people? It's pretty phenomenal, the influence we've had on, on, like, global culture. We really punch above our weight. When we were making Rogue One, I sort of half-jokingly but half-meaning it said to the producers, well, wait, let's just shoot in Canary Wharf. 
there's all the guys in the suits, you know, coming home from work, and we're not allowed to tell anyone. It's really secretive, and we're thinking, okay, we're going to film Star Wars, and then we had hidden stormtrooper outfits and stuff, and we go in. And within an hour, turned it into the Empire. I went up to one of the art directors and was like, "How did you? This was so good. Like, how did you do this so quick?" And he said, "Oh, we came in last night and we did a practice run, like the extra mile that the crew would always go to. It's kind of like a military operation. The great thing about British crews is they've been doing this, you know, for generations, and and they've all inherited off the previous one all these little tricks of the trade." We had an assistant director on the film, whose dad worked on the original New Hope, and his job on that was to direct the X-wing pilots for the for the battle sequence. And his son on our film had exactly the same job. It was really weird. That felt really appropriate. The great thing is on set is no one says no. And you'd say to them like, "You can say no, you know, you, is, is this a problem?" And they'd say, "No, we don't, we don't do that." Like they, they sort of pride themselves on giving you everything you want. There's something magical about Great Britain. There's so many great examples of British filmmakers, people like Hitchcock and David Lean. And it's funny because even people like from outside of the UK, like Kubrick, he ended up making Britain his home because you know the crews were so good. I'm Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One: A Star Wars Story, and I'm very proud to say it was made great in Britain. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. This is TGP Normal. Nominal. Damn. One of the things that I remember from the day, because、uh, uh, we went down there to have a little bit of a recce the night before, didn't we?、Mm. And、uh, I'm, I'm glad we did because we picked up our. Ticket to our, our lanyards. They were absolutely fantastic. Those lanyards they gave us were <laughs> light saber shaped, kind of like a pendant on the end of the lanyard. And the actual lanyard was the blade of the light saber. And the ticket was this this plastic thing with holograms on it and stuff. And it it, it was really nothing like just having a ticket. It was something quite special. Yeah, with that, whoops, that was a very good touch and.、Uh... My my youngest son was very pleased to receive that upon my return. <laughs> well, whilst we were in that hall where we picked up our lanyards, and、uh, I, I picked up my program whilst I was there as well,、uh, we saw the the waiting area for people the next morning to apply for wristbands to get into the panels. They were queuing up. They were actually camping out the night before, weren't they? Actually, in the in the hall. Yeah, because we went into the hall and、uh, you were able to pick up your tickets, as you say, and、uh, we're looking at all these lines and and what appeared to be empty queuing spaces, and then somebody stood up, <laughs> and and I, what on earth is is there's somebody down there? And a little closer inspection, we discovered that there were a whole a whole world of people that were. <laughs> Camping out in this. Okay, it was inside. They were indoors. They were in this arena and everything. But still, they were camping out the night before just to get a wristband, just to be able to get into the audience, so that they might just be able to see、um, or hear from somebody who'd been in the film. And for somebody who's never been to one of these 
uh, events before. It was a totally, totally bizarre experience. Just, just that one little bit. But it is, it is quite mainstream at these events to, to do that because uh, at the previous event in, in Anaheim in uh, 2015, the people were queuing up and camping out the night before. And J.J. Abrams and Kathy Kennedy, who's the uh, executive producer and uh, CEO of Lucasfilm, actually turned up with a load of pizzas. And they were giving slices of pizzas out to the people that were sleeping out the night before. Slimy. <laughs> well, it's very good of them, isn't it? Very good of them to... To, to give some pizza to the to the people that have made them multimillionaires. Oops, so sorry. Was I being cynical there? Don't know. But yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was very difficult um, not to become just a complete fanboy with some of it. But um, yeah, just the, just the whole sheer scale of the thing was just ridiculous. Was, but, but for somebody who's never been to one before, it was just well, I was awestruck. Yeah just the sheer size and scale of the thing. Um, I, I didn't do as many recordings as I planned to do because I just completely geeked out. It was <laughs> oh, uh, unbelievable. Whilst we were there, we, we tried to uh, meet up with um, another set of, of podcasters, uh, which we actually did, um, which was Neil and Carl from the uh, Pancast Productions podcast. Well, great guys to talk to and did a thing that you actually patented the, the term for whilst we were there called interpodding. Interpodding, yes. <laughs> uh, where we were recording for our podcast and they were recording for their podcast at the same time. <laughs> Hence, interpodding. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, everybody like, we're, what we're going to do now is almost uh, the same as when you get two people with a camera quickly taking a picture of each other at the same time so as so, Alan just said and copyrighted interpodding we're interpodding this could be a first it could be so let's right, welcome let's introduce it hello Mark Hi, how you doing, guys? Would you like to introduce your podcast? Yeah, uh, I'm from TGP Nominal Podcast, uh, your one-stop shop for all things science fact and science fiction. Nice. See where that rolled off the it tongue, man? <laughs> it looks like he's a uh, dab hand at this. <laughs> yes. So how long have you been podcasting? Oh, on and off since 2011, so uh, quite a long time. Um, under the, uh, the Garbage Pod uh, banner, uh, started off as the bar- Garbage Pod, uh, and then sci-fi and uh, space kind of started creeping in a lot. And some of my non-spacey sci-fi type people started saying, well, if you're going to keep doing this, then we won't be listening. So I thought, ooh, another podcast is coming. So I um, started up uh, TGP Nominal. It was always going to be TGP because it's the garbage pod. Uh, but we wanted to find something that fitted with the space theme. Um, and originally we wanted to call it TGP Throttle Up, uh, but that brought back bad memories of space disasters and things. So uh, we came up with uh, TGP Nominal because TGP well, Nominal in the space community is everything is awesome. Yeah. So uh, what can you say? Can't get any better than that. Indeed. So you've been here just for the day then. What's been your highlight so far today? Today... Um, the, the thing that's really stood out for me was 
There was a group of um, UK garrison stormtroopers that were asked to have their... Uh, somebody wanted an autograph, and they actually signed them TK whatever. Right. Which was... Abs- oh, I just couldn't get over that. That just made my day seeing it. Yeah. I, I said to Alan, I wonder if they're going to sign it TK, and I looked over the shoulder, I was like... That's classic. Now you mentioned Alan. Hello, Alan. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm um, guest on TGP Nominal, sometimes co-host, but I'm the kind of non-scientific sceptic sometimes. You're us, then, are you? You're you're the people that are like that that just are in the middle. Yeah. I mean, I've I've asked questions like, did we really go to the moon? That kind of thing. I'll ask questions about. Uh, stuff that's going on, you know, with like SpaceX and things like that, because a lot of the stuff I do is politics and uh, news, human interest, that kind of thing. I'm currently here today, I'm putting stuff together for a programme called London Beat, which goes out on J Air Radio in Melbourne, in Australia. Now, I normally produce and engineer that programme, but I'm hope I'm actually putting a piece together to go into that now. So that's what I'm doing today. Um, Star Wars, for me, is a series of films which I've enjoyed as entertainment. Full stop. Right, right. The, so I'm just stunned by the amount of time that people have put into not just cosplay, but, you know, the whole lifestyle. Mm. It seems to be a... It seems to be a lifestyle for these people. I was talking to some artists who have had to go through such uh, a rigorous process just so that they can sell their art, which has Star Wars-related characters in it. Yeah. You know, they've got to be accredited, and it's got to be this, that, and the other, and it's got to be this whole process. So it's not just a case of, I've done a really nice painting of Luke Skywalker, and I'm going to come to come and sell it. It's got to be accredited, it's got to go through an assessment and everything else. And I didn't realise that there was all this going on mm. all the time. So yeah. I'm the kind of um, non-sci-fi, non-sciency type person who comes in and, and asks those kind of questions right. and, and discovers this kind of stuff. As I say, normally you'll find me on Downing Street trying to get my, you know, or in Westminster trying to get my microphone or my camera in some in a politician's face. So this is a really, really fantastic change for me. Nice, it's brilliant. So so far, what has been the highlight of your day then? The highlight for me, shall I say the queue? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. The highlight for me has been talking to all these really, really nice people who have genuine, you know, who've got, like, the 501st, who do a lot of really good stuff for charity. Yeah. And, and, but not just that. They, they, they're really passionate about it. That's the highlight for me, yeah. is these, meeting these very genuine people who are passionate about what they're doing and really want to be here for the right reasons. Yeah. Wonderful. Wow. Well, there you go. So, do you want to give your sh- uh, podcast a shout-out, mate? Yeah, sure. If, if you want to go to the, our website, it's uh, obviously www.tgpnominal.weebly.com. Uh, and uh, just look on there. There's a section for our podcast. You can see what's on there. Um, and we've got, also got things like our honorary uh, crew members page where people that we've uh, interviewed, like... Uh, um, 
Dave Prowse and uh, Jeremy Bullock and people like that. And uh, people like you met yesterday, like uh, Pam Rose, she's, yeah. she's on our honorary on our page. Uh, Chris Barry. Oh, yeah, that's uh, the, the, each of the honorary crew members get one of our TGP nominal uh, mission patches. Nice. Uh, which I've got to get some more made up because I'm running out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, up and coming. And it's... Oh, and there's Pam yeah, as we speak. Yeah, there's <laughs> She's everywhere. She is. That was really bizarre, just saying that. <laughs> and uh, here she comes. Here she comes, look. She loves being on the microphone. Yeah, it is Pam again. Hello. Hello, Pam. Good morning. <laughs> Afternoon. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you very much, Mark. Yeah, thank yeah, you, Mark. Thank you, Alice. No problem. But, uh, it, it, you know, some of the people we met there, I mean, as I say, Carl and, and Neil, they were brilliant to speak to. We had difficulty speaking to them at first because they were, they are quite well known in the Star Wars community as podcasters. And so they had other people that were wanting to speak to them as well. And I just thought it would be nice for two podcasts to sort of collaborate with each other. Okay, here's a, here's a, a geeky question for you. What does what does the TK actually stand for? I, I, I genuinely do not know. They're not all TK uh, in the different uh, movies. There are a lot of different theories of what TK stands for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, according to the 501st Legion... Uh, TK is just an internal designation for a stormtrooper, but TK might actually stand for telekinetic because they are all linked together. Hmm. It's an interesting theory. Uh, in the prequels where you had the clone troopers, uh, their number would have been CN, which is clone number. Yeah. Uh, and as you remember in The Force Awakened, Finn's number w- uh, started with FN, and that's where he got his name, Finn. That's right. But FN, I believe, stands for Foot Soldier Number. Okay, so could be Trooper... Um, I don't know what K could be. <laughs> hmm. A mystery. Maybe somebody could enlighten us. Yeah, that would be good if somebody could come up with something. Because I was looking online and I can see so many different theories of what it could be. Yes, we need the definitive answer, don't we? <laughs> One of the people that I wanted to meet whilst I was there is a kind of an idol of mine, and everyone in the Star Wars community knows this guy, Stephen Sansweet, who is an author of Star Wars books. When I say author... These are non-fiction Star Wars books. These are about the making of the movies, the how they made the models, that kind of thing, and <laughs> the collectibles and everything that went along with it. Now, I've known about Stephen Sansweet since about 1993, something like that, and Star Wars was his hobby, which took over his life <laughs> because... <laughs> Um, he, believe it or not, had to take out a second mortgage so that he could house his Star Wars collection. Good Lord. It was absolutely huge. And he brought out his first book, which was called Star Wars From Concept to Screen to Collectible. It basically says what it says, really, in the title. It, mm-hmm. The concept of it from what went on screen <laughs> and what is available for collecting and what is worth money for collectors. Steve Sam Sweet then went on to become the curator 
at the Lucasfilm archives. Wow. Um, and obviously he took his collection along to Lucasfilm to house it there so that he could, you, you know, save up some of the space in his mm-hmm. house. So he took it all home, basically, back, back to its home as opposed to his home. <laughs> and then when he retired from working for Lucasfilm, he needed somewhere else to house his collection, and he started up a museum, I think it's in Pasadena, called Rancho Obi-Wan. <laughs> and it's not one that you can go to just turn up. You have to make an appointment to, to go, and you pretty right. much get a private tour of the facility, and it is massive. I bet. Because, um, I mean, just thinking about some of the basic merchandising, yeah. let alone getting into all the specialist stuff and everything that I imagine he's got access to. Well, he's got things that when they were trying to pitch the idea of Star Wars to the movie companies, they needed some kind of point of sale material, really, like posters and things. And he's got some of the original posters and things that the artist Ralph McQuarrie uh, actually designed when it was called The Star Wars. And Luke Skywalker wasn't called Luke Skywalker, was he? No, he was called Luke Starkiller. Now, if you remember in The Force Awakens, their version of the Death Star, which was a planet... Yes. ...was called Starkiller Base, and that's a a throwback to the original name for (laughs) Luke Skywalker. He was called Luke Starkiller, which uh, I, I loved the little throwbacks to the the fanboys if you like <laughs> uh, there's lots of little ones where if you're a true Star Wars fan you're going oh yeah that's great and the rest of the crowd are going oh, what <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> so he started up Rancho Obi-Wan and um, you can become a member of that as well you know like the old school fan clubs where you used to get newsletters and badges and all <laughs> kinds of things each year yep and every year they have a, a new mission patch brought out for each year. And you can obtain Star Wars Celebration Special Edition patches from them at the event as well. Fine. As you can guess, they pretty much disappeared on the first day. Yeah, I can, yeah, I imagine they did. <laughs> but I did get a photograph of his setup, and he signed it for me as well, which, which is brilliant. And, and, and whilst we were there, we were we were looking around for people from different countries to, to talk to about Star Wars, and we actually spoke to a guy from New Zealand, didn't we? We did indeed. Yes. I think he'd come as Captain Rex, who was one of the, the clone troopers in the prequels. Well, he, he got the he got the looks and the voice for it. The guy who played Jango Fett in the prequels, who the clones are based on, was from New Zealand anyway, so that helped. <laughs> we actually spoke to his daughter, and she said, oh, my dad's a, a clone trooper. Do you want to speak to him? So we went, yeah, that'll be good. So we, we went into an area... It was kind of like the rest area, wasn't it, for the costumers? And we had a nice chat with him, and uh, this is how that went. I've managed to collar somebody from down under, uh, a Kiwi. Hi, can you just introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, um, I'm Phil Tanavasa from Outpost 42 Garrison in New Zealand, uh, from Wellington. So what brings you here to the UK? Why, why, why this celebration? Um, after after going to Anaheim celebration, um, I kind of got in my blood, and as soon as I found out that it was happening in London, 
Head to come. Head to come. Enjoy the, enjoy the uh, European hospitality. So how many of these have you done? Oh, this is my second. Second. And next year is going to be Orlando. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is a, definitely an eye-opener. Right. You're a clone. I'm a clone, yeah. <laughs> so you've pretty much got it in the bag, really, haven't you? Yeah, thank you very much. So... Clone of a clone. <laughs> my character's Captain Rex. So at the moment we're in half of a phase one Captain Rex, mm-hmm. but with the old... Old Rex beard <laughs> and shaved head, but yeah. So you, you, this, this is something you've invested heavily in, is it? Um, not, yeah. Time, money. Yeah, I've been in the Legion now since uh, 2009. But um, the way I got into it is I, I met some guys in Armageddon and um, found out that they're dressing up in Star Wars as characters and uh, fundraising for charity. And I thought, well... Charity, that's, that's, that's a plus plus, you know, you're a Star Wars fan, raising money for the good, you know, it's like an awesome idea, so here we are. Mm. What is it now? Seven years later. Yeah, but no, awesome, awesome group, and it's, it's a worldwide organisation, so it doesn't matter where you go, you meet fans from, who love Star Wars, and it's like a brotherhood. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so how much has this taken over your life? Only a small percentage, like in New Zealand, uh, being in Wellington, we troop probably maybe 40, 40 events a year, um, and that's birthday parties, corporate events, um, Armageddon to works, but that's 40 weekends out of a year, so it's not, not a lot, yeah, I think it's not a lot. <laughs> Some people might say it's a lot, but yeah. So how many uh, like conventions and things do you think you've probably... Um, in, New, in New Zealand, uh, there are five Armageddons, and I try to get to each Armageddon, so it's five events. Even once in a while, we try and get across to Australia and do a couple of events over there without the Australians knowing, and we'll just rock up and have a bit of, bit of a laugh. Um, yeah, so yeah, the main events that we do in New Zealand are Armageddons. So is this the first time you've... Um, done sort of this kind of stuff over in Europe first time yep I've, I've done it in the States twice but first time in Europe so okay. have you been over here before or is this the first time you've... no no I actually used to live here oh, right. I did my OE a few, quite a few years ago so um, yeah it's, uh, it's good to come back it's great and show my daughter you know, some of the areas that I used to, used to haunt uh, your own so, haunts yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus I've got family across in Ireland so oh, right. so after, after this this event uh, on Monday we fly to Ireland and then come back on Friday for a couple of days and then we fly out again but why, why Star Wars? well it's, it's not just Star Wars it's anything anything science fiction it's like, it's, I, lo- I like Star Wars plus Timur Morrison's a Kiwi I look like Timur, I kind of sound like Timur, and uh, when I blonde my hair as well, I can do an exact Captain Rex, so it's good. Fantastic. Thank you very much for taking the time. I know this is supposed to be your rest period, and this is supposed to be your time out, so thank you. Uh, more than welcome. Glad I can help. So, Alan, to wrap up this section about Star Wars Celebration Europe, I wanted to talk a little bit about our highlights of the event. And for me, one of my highlights was something that we hadn't planned. Definitely hadn't planned. We actually gate crashed at couple getting engaged. And this is a, an interview that Alan actually got with the happy couple literally minutes after the proposal was made. You've just done something very special at the XL together. What have you done? Um, 
I have engaged to my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've actually planned this for over a year. Um, ever since I knew I was coming to Exile London, I thought, this has got to be the place. I, by Halloween, I would have been with Lizzie for nearly two years. Um, two years we've exactly. Known each other, we've known each other over two years. We've known each other well over two years. And uh, I just thought, this has got to be the place. Um, she loves Star Wars, as do I. Pokemon. She loves Pokemon, <laughs> as do I. Um, they just, this has got to be the place to do it, and um, it had to, it, it had to be at this moment. It had so to what, be. What are your na- what, what, what are your names? I didn't ask you your names. Sorry, I, I'm Edward Key. I'm cosplaying as Medici from Star Wars. My name's Lizzie. Um, Lizzie Carte Dodd. I'm cosplaying as New Gunray. And you're going to be. Um, Lizzie... I'm going to be Lizzie Key Davies or Lizzie Key. Wow, that's amazing. Is, is this a? This must be a fir- This must be a first, surely. Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, I've heard loads of stories about weddings and stuff, Star Wars themed weddings, but I don't know about Excel really, because I mean, this is my first time in a, at a celebration. So, how do you feel? I'm I'm shaking so much. I don't I don't know. I'm so so happy. I mean, Ed is my best friend on top of everything else. He's the best friend I've ever had. I could ever wish for. He's he's been there. For, I've had a very difficult couple of years. My father passed away a couple of years ago he's been there to support me through all that um through just everything and there's no one in the world i would rather spend my life with so you did you do the honorable thing you went down on one knee um yeah i mean i i, I tried to i mean i was a bit uncomfortable with the costume i wasn't yeah. sure how i was going to go about it but yeah i managed it so you got down on one knee and presented your fiance with um a pokeball containing a ring inscribed I choose you that's wonderful it's perfect it's just absolutely perfect I mean Star Wars and Pokemon are pretty much our biggest loves Um, obviously we've got Star Wars already down because we're here at Celebration Europe and it just couldn't be more perfect that I got a Pokeball with a ring in it to just cement that okay so you're at a stand SWU what does that stand for? Uh, Star Wars Underworld should I let Chris come in and have have a say Chris you're from Star Wars Underworld from Star Wars Underworld and um, I've been friends with these guys for a really long time and they're really awesome and uh, Edward uh, came to me at, at Celebration and said hey uh, I need a place to do something and I'm like I had an idea what he what he wanted to do so I said come by our booth let's let's do it here right when we're meeting up ready to go into to a panel so I'm so glad to have been the host for this congratulations oh thank you so much thank you it's, it's just a pleasure to be here um, all of these guys from the Star Wars community amazing people and uh, I couldn't have asked for a more supportive group to help me with this because I couldn't have done it without any of them so yeah thank you very much for uh, giving me this amazing opportunity thank you so obviously the engagement was a surprise for Lizzie and Edward her fiance got in touch with Chris Seacall from Star Wars Underworld whose name will be familiar to you if you're a regular listener because um, Chris has been on the show talking about Star Wars Underworld and just generally talking to us about Star Wars yeah so Chris got involved and uh, allowed Edward to use their stand at Star Wars Celebration Europe to make the proposal to Lizzie so it was all pretty spontaneous and um, that's what it's all about Star Wars events are, are like that that you do get engaged engagements and all kinds of things going on and we were just lucky i suppose to be there at that time when it actually happened for you alan what were your um highlights of the day my highlights i think were 
seeing the incredible creativity that's gone into not just making the models and the characters, but also the creativity of the um, of the business people that have come along in its wake, and they've taken um, what could potentially just be, well, you know, it's just a kid's thing. Uh, and they've taken it and, and really made it into a massive international business which does a lot of good with regards to employing people. It brings a lot of prosperity to people and it also brings a lot of pleasure and hope to people as well. Um, we've seen that through Feel the Force. Um, we saw it there on the day uh, with the artists and uh, just the enjoyment that people of all ages we're having um and f so for me the the day was creative and uh, that that's what it summed up for me well talking about creativity and things like that this brings us nicely onto the last interview that uh, alan conducted during the event and that was with a company called anovos Heath Hammond of Anovos. Tell us, Anovos, um, this is cosplay uniform. Yeah, yeah, it is, but it's even more than that. It's taking it to a level of being a high-end collectible costume. So it's not just a costume you can wear, but it's also something you can display. So you're kind of getting a one-to-one -one statue at the same time, if you choose to display it. Right, so it is a lot more than just a costume that you would wear to a convention. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's and that's our intent to to take it to a level that is something that you want to possibly pass down to another family member or to a friend or something that it just has more value than just being uh, a, a set of armor from the movie. It's actually a replica, exact copy. So what kind of materials are we are we looking at? Is it just is it just plastic or is it mortar? Oh, it, it's a lot more. It's a great question. Um, depending on if it's like with the armor, we have a lot of stuff that we call mixed media, where it's just not the plastic ABS armor, but then we have fabrics that are involved. And you have the leather from the shoes and the leather and the tabs on the inside. So we're dealing with a variety of fabrics. And then if you look at something like Kylo Ren, where he's got like five different types of material, and then you have the material inside the helmet. And the helmet's fiberglass, so you can see where it gets pretty complicated. So it's just not plastic, it's everything. And tell us about your company, Anovos. Um, where does that come from? Ah, uh, Anovos, uh, two gentlemen that started it, uh, Jose Salcido and Dana Gasser. They are avid cosplayers from back in the day. They liked, uh, they were into Star Wars and you know, the whole pop culture. And uh, they just realized in making some of these things that they could actually turn around and get a license and start selling it. And one of the licenses they first got was Battlestar Galactica. Right, okay. In the original series. Um, and from there, it just started kind of growing into Star Trek. And uh, some of us are from other companies, such as Sideshow, Sideshow Collectibles, which is where I, I did 12, worked over there for 12 years, uh, and a couple others. We came over because we were pretty excited about what they're doing because it's not just costumes. Now they're kind of going into a different realm where you can be the ultimate action figure. So we brought all of our manufacturing experience, all our overseas contacts, and plus our actual ability to develop and make products, and said, okay, let's take this to the next 10 levels. 
So that's how the majority of the people, and we've got people from the fashion industry. Uh, Megan Hensley, she comes from Seven of Mankind, the jean company. She worked over there, and she's bringing all of her expertise and her fashion industry contacts. So you can see, like, oh, we're kind of coming together and lifting the company up. And to touch bases on a Novos, that's Greek for a new. Nice, very nice. If somebody wants to get hold of this, how do they go about ordering it? Uh, the best is go to anovos.com and just start going through our, our web website, and it has all the different prompts, Star Wars, Star Trek. Look at the different licenses. We have uh, Ghostbusters, Battlestar Galactica, and pretty soon we're going to be adding a few more to that. That'll be pretty exciting. Uh, we have Marvel. We're going to be producing stuff from Marvel, the uh, Captain America movies. Uh, and from there, you can just pick and choose what you're looking for. And everything has some sort of a drop-down menu, so if you're looking at wanting to get a Kylo Ren, you can just go through the menu and, uh, okay, I'm a large, and it just sets you right up. And then it's a nice shopping cart that sends you right on your way. <laughs> but you've come here today for, for this weekend. Yeah. This must be a big investment for the, for the company. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Um, along with San Diego Comic-Con, which is, you know, one of our bigger ones, but to be able to come to London for a celebration, it... Uh, we had to figure out our manpower and what we were bringing because San Diego Comic-Con is next weekend. So, and we're a very small company, so we can't do two shows. So we actually had to split it up. And a lot of the, guy, the people on the art team are like here in London. So we're the ones that are actually taking care of London. And our regular team is taking care of San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, we, we've had all kinds of issues trying to get through customs with our stuff and everything. But it's been an awesome show. We're being really well received. People are loving what we've got. And it's, it's pretty exciting. It's really, really exciting. It's good to see a small company that's doing well. Right next door to Lego. <laughs> yeah, a massive, massive company. But um, what you've just told me there about just actually the logistics of getting to this show here in London. Uh, and, and for a small company, and as you say, many different expertises coming together. Yeah. That, that's a fantastic achievement. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, it, it really is. It's been, it's a, it's a huge learning curve. But at the same time of how to like get these things here, I mean, to be truthful, we lost some of our items in customs. They sent them back. We were uh, debuting our Captain Phasma for the first time, full armor, not just the helmet, armor, the cape, everything. And because of some mix-up in customs, they just backed it up and sent it right back to Los Angeles. No. Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of like, oh, well, our, one of our big things we wanted to debut for this particular celebration uh, didn't didn't make it. And they, it's, you know, we really pushed the envelope with it. A lot of man hours went into getting it ready. And it's just, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It's one of those things like, okay, well, how can we not have that happen, you know, the next celebration? So, it, it, but, you know, you live and learn. Keith Hammond, thank you very much. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you, and I enjoyed it. Please, and anytime you're at San Diego or any of the other conventions, please come by. You're always a friend. Certainly will. Thank you. <laughs> So, Alan, once again, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure, uh, as always. Absolute pleasure. And um, hopefully we'll get you on board again uh, when we have something else going on. Great stuff. Looking forward to it. See you soon. Cheers. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. There's one thing I would like to mention, and and that's basically an apology, really, for the quality of some of the interviews there. We were having a few technical issues with the recording equipment due to the fact that that place is huge and extremely loud. So we were were having difficulty trying to gauge um, the levels that we needed, and a lot of Alan's recordings turned out to be a bit distorted. Um, Some of it we couldn't use, and so I went through the best of what we we had and um, I hope you enjoy it so hopefully in the next episode of TGP Nominal service will be resumed as normal uh, and Mr Berger will be back and um, well that only leaves me to say thanks for listening take care one and all and as Mr Berger would say well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes the RSS feed and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find links on all our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.